Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week on All Things Cozy, we're returning from our summer vacation and going back to school. Not only will we reminisce about how we stayed cozy as kids during those first days of instruction, but also we'll discuss the coziness of continuing education by sharing our learning from a knife skills class Jillian and I took together. That's right, listeners. Jillian has finally learned to cut. (laughs) And we'll share the story of how that happened. But first, it's Cozy in the News. So here's some news we can all use. The secret to a good marriage. Centenarians Herbert and June Malakot of Ohio have been married for 79 years, having tied the knot when they were both 20 years old. The couple told the Today Show that their hot tip, as Jillian would say, <laughs> for a long-lasting relationship is to de-escalate conflict by taking a break when disagreements get too heated. If there's controversy, you might have to walk away for a couple of minutes, recommended Herbert, adding, then you come back and change the subject or you work it out. But what's especially cozy is their routine of watching an old Western together every night before bed. And in the morning, as their daughter Joe can testify, they are so happy to see each other. They greet each other with huge smiles. So take it from Herbert and June, step back to de-escalate conflicts and be grateful for one another every single day. Well, I think that is a great hot tip. And that's my new pep in, this, pep in my step. It's my new catchphrase <laughs> for the season. But yeah, I, it's a little bit harder when you're in an apartment. <laughs> you can't really escape. <laughs> so if you have a house, it is a, it is a great tip. So I can maybe hide in the bathroom. I can. <laughs> you can always leave the apartment. You're not trapped. That's true, there. too. I'm not trapped. We're not trapped. I can. I can there leave. is a front door, Julian. You can use that. <laughs> Go down to your local coffee shop. I also yeah. love that you said pep in your step is your new catchphrase. That is. <laughs> no, hot tips, my new catchphrase. Oh, that's your new catchphrase. That's going to replace pep in your step. I'll probably still pep in. Step in. <laughs> but hot tip right now is, is, is the hot catchphrase. Yeah, I just thought this was really cute, especially the, the story of them going to bed each night together and kind of holding hands and then waking mm-hmm. up and being grateful for each other every single day. I mean, at that age, I completely understand, right? Every day is a is a gift. And that's true for any age, but I think you, you, you really feel that the older that you get. So it's good to remind ourselves, no matter where you are in life, that each day is a gift. And the days we get to spend with the people that we love um, are also a gift and to have that gratitude for them. I think I could definitely see that being a key component to a long-lasting relationship. Yeah, it was beautifully said, Matt. And I also think a big part of it, too, is mindfulness and being mm-hmm. mindful of, yes, I have to put these practices in place and, and working at it, like they say. <laughs> Marriage is work. <laughs> Time to get back in the minds. Jillian, what cozy news item do you have for us today? Well, first, I want to say it's exciting to be back at the news desk, and welcome back to you, Matt. I hope you had a <laughs> well, great back, summer. Welcome back, Yeah, I, you know, it's been a long summer. We've each been very busy in our respective corners of the world. I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're here together again, keeping it cozy. Yeah, you know, it's good. it feels good to be back and uh, getting on the cozy bus off to school. So my news item... The adventure video game Stray has tickled the tails of cat lovers and feline enthusiasts, providing users the unique experience of viewing the world through the eyes of an adorable tabby tasked with solving puzzles to escape their forgotten city. As the Associated Press reported, Stray, which surged in popularity after its July release, is now helping the same cats who inspired the game, raising donations for animal shelters and cat charities throughout the U.S., thanks to gamers who play it for live stream audiences. Additionally, the company behind Stray provided copies of the game to select shelters and organizations, which were auctioned and raffled off. The Nebraska Humane Society, for example, raised a meow-tastic $7,000 and expanded its list of donors. Woot woot. Considering the game was inspired by a sweet Stray, this is the perfect outcome. I'm so glad you brought up this game. I've been meaning to play it. I am... Pinching my pennies and waiting for a sale. <laughs> mm. um, but it looks so fun. So um, fun. It's, I, like Jillian had mentioned, you play as a cat. 
So you are a stray cat, and you're trying to find... I, I, I'm not actually sure in terms of where the cat's headed. I think trying to find a home. Yeah, just to going... escape this city. So it's filled yeah. with robots, and it's neon and grim, and yeah. Right. And yeah, it's a, it's a cyberpunk aesthetic, and yes. you're a cat trying to weave your way through it. And who doesn't want to play a game where you are a cat? So <laughs> I certainly do, and I'm looking forward to playing it. It really does seem like the, the coziest game since Untitled Goose Game. So check it out. Well, I also think what's really cozy about it, too, is that strays don't really get their due. And it's making the stray the main character, which is, which is really nice. And the company behind the game also has rented out a few cat cafes, so bought it out for the weekend, for example, and then people could reserve their spots and a chance to play the game for 20 minutes or so, just get tested out. So really genius marketing, but cozy marketing as well. It exploded on social media. I saw tons of people posting about it. It looks like a very cozy video game. Meow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we dive into our main topic, we have some exciting news to share about our Patreon. We're kicking off our new season with brand new tiers and rewards for our patrons, including... In all things cozy first, Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes. Here are the new levels and the rewards. Patrons who contribute $2 per month join at our tea light level and receive an all things cozy magnet, sticker, and a personalized thank you card from Jillian and myself. Patrons who contribute $5 a month join at our votive level and get the sticker, the magnet, the personalized thank you, and access to our brand new All Things Cozy book club, where we'll read a new book every month and discuss it via a bonus episode only available to patrons who contribute at the votive level or higher. So to be clear, the books are not included. We will post what the books are on our social media and to our Patreon so that you have at least a month to read it along with us. And then toward the end of the month, we'll come together to record an episode where Jillian and I, maybe not immediately, but we're working on ways to record that live so that if you are part of the book club, you can join the live recording and maybe type in some comments and contribute to the discussion. And you can really use it as either, you know, that kind of book club where we come together and discuss, or if you listen to the episode later, right, you can check in on our thoughts or maybe even just hold off on reading the book until we discuss it and see if it's worth your time. So there's a lot of different ways to engage in the All Things Cozy book club. Um, But the biggest thing is we're really excited about this bonus episode, right, for our patrons. We've been wanting to do something like that for a long time. And we're excited to to offer that for those who are contributing $5 per month or more. Our first book will be Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. So if you're wanting to join along, that's what we'll be reading. And that episode will come out to our patron, to those subscribers specifically, Um, toward the end of September. Finally, patrons who contribute $10 per month are our pillars. And they'll get the sticker magnet thank you book club episodes and a VCP, Very Cozy Person, reward of our All Things Cozy fall-themed mug. So our design is not finalized as of this recording, but by the time this episode comes out, we'll have posted this mock-up on our Patreon and our social media. So you'll be able to see this by the time that we are talking about it go to our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash allthingscozy. You can see all the new tiers and the mug design um, that you'll be getting at the $10 per month level or more. You can also check out these options via our social media at allthingscozypodcast on Instagram, Facebook. And if you're, if you tweet, if you're on Twitter, we don't have an All Things Cozy Twitter. I guess we figured that space yeah. is cozy enough for us, but <laughs> I'm on Twitter um, at P-E-E V-O-V-A-R-C-H-E-C-K, Pivovarchek, like the phonetic spelling of my name on Twitter. Honestly, if you if you just do the All Things Cozy hashtag on Twitter, I'm the only bozo posting about it. So, so. <laughs> you can find me there. I'm always updating the show there if you're if you prefer Twitter. Just to see what these levels are like and what the design is. We're really excited to have our first yeah. mug design out there for our patrons. Um, so if you really want that to, to sip your tea, your coffee or even just some some hot water. I don't know. Whatever you like to drink out of your mug. Some hot, hot water. cocoa. Hot water. <laughs> I don't know. No judgment here. This very cozy, all things cozy, fall-themed mug is we're really excited to offer that to our Patreons who contribute $10 per month or more. So check it out. Patreon.com forward slash all things cozy. 
And hats off to Matt for creating uh, the cozy candle themed levels. That was all his idea. It's very. That's all I think about. So (laughs) it was easy to come up with. All right, end plug for our Patreon. We hope you check it out. Um, We we really appreciate our patrons. They make the show happen. Because of all of our patrons, we're so grateful for you. We get to update our microphones and our headphones. We pay for our podcast hosting fees, all the candles that we try, any of the products that we try, and now our books that we buy for book club. We're not sponsored. We're we're completely we're we're PBS over here. We're, we are listener sponsored. <laughs> we don't have yeah, any the, advertisers. <laughs> they, they can't buy us. Um, the tape together headphones. You. The tape together. <laughs> That's clear. We're not sponsored. We don't have we don't have a single advertiser. The, all the operations here at All Things Cozy HQ happen because of our patrons. So thank you all for doing that. And if you're interested, even just joining at the the tea light level, it really goes a long way to making our show happen. All right, so back to school, Jillian. Beep, beep, get, get in the car. We're going to school. We wanted to approach this topic in a couple of different ways, uh, one being reminiscing about our memories of going back to school. We have some cozy feelings and memories to share. Jillian and I actually feel very differently about what it felt like as a kid to go back to school, so excited to dive into yeah, that. Yeah, same. Also, continuing our education as adults, like there's a lot of classes you can take now. You can go back to school in a formal way by going to college, you know, getting your master's. Um, but there's all sorts of one-off classes you can take online and in person to learn those new skills. You know, we're dorks here at All Things Cozy, so we think learning is fun. <laughs> yeah, we had a great time. We'll get into we that did. later. We will share our adventure at Sir Latab, learning how to properly cut. Uh, with kitchen knives. So you're probably thinking that's not a very cozy topic to learn about. But A, it's actually useful because it's cooking. We think cooking is cozy. That helps us cook better. And also, if you're a longtime listener, you know, a saga here for four years has been Jillian uh, really sharing quite vulnerably that she can't cut with a knife. She has a lot of anxiety. It's been going on for 32 years for me, but four years here. (laughs) Anything with sharp edges. She's not really uh, comfortable with. And, you know, this was, I'm very proud of her. She made a huge step forward in her comfort with a knife. And we're going to tell you the whole tale uh, a little bit later in this episode. But first, let's talk about those back to school memories. So for me, when I think about back to school, I I guess I'm a a gross capitalist materialist. And I think about the stuff I bought uh, to get ready for it. And that makes me cozy. Same. Jillian, like, like what, what do you think about when you're thinking about back to school what what are the cozy memories that come back to you first and foremost? Well, my elementary school was actually in my backyard, so to speak. I could walk to my elementary school and there was a path. And I remember walking with my neighbor uh, and walking to school with him every day. And that was really a sweet memory. And I could actually see the school and the the playground from behind the fence. And when I was younger, I'd watch all the kids playing probably like a creep behind the fence, but getting really excited and thinking about when I would be able to go to school and then see, seeing all the class lists. I'm sure they email it now, but back in the day, they would put up the class list in the school windows and it was always thrilling to find your name. I know who your teacher was and chat with all the kids, the class you're in, see if your friends are in your class. It's just thrilling. And I think for me, and it's still true as an adult today, anticipation is my catnip. I, I love the, the thought of doing something opposed to actually being there and doing it. This is the thrill of something new and fresh. My birthday was always, or not always, but often on the first day of school, and which was nice and fun because so many good and exciting things to look forward to. But my villain origin story <laughs> is uh, on the first day of school, they had to say, write down your birthdays, um, so you could pass out cupcakes throughout the year. They would consider the birthdays during the summer and then the first day of school onward. So I never got a chance to pass out my cupcakes. Usually my birthday is on the first day of school. And so clearly that still haunts me because I'm bringing it up now today. <laughs> um, so that was only a non-cozy thing. I didn't get to pass out those cupcakes. I was wondering about that because we had a very similar culture at my elementary school where when it was your birthday, you bring the sweets for the class and mm-hmm. the most cost-effective thing to do would be to bring in some cupcakes. But I imagine, yeah, on the first day of school, everyone's really busy. It's bustling. People are trying to figure out where they're supposed to be. It's all introductory. And so no one's making time for Jillian's cupcakes. No. Hindsight being twenty twenty, if you just came with cupcakes, 
I mean, you'd be the most popular girl in school from day one. That's true. Yeah. Go go back in time. You were waiting for permission. I'll go back to Long Island, pop into that school, say I have some, I have some cupcakes been waiting for 20 some odd years. I'm here. I'm here. Um, I've got my box of tissues and I've got my cupcakes. You didn't have to do that. We always had to bring in like a box of tissues to contribute to the classroom, all the kids. Really? Oh, so no. That, so that the, there'd be, you know, tissues for the whole school year. That's interesting. It's, it's, it's yeah, one different. of the it's one of the costs uh, we like to pass on to families. <laughs> well, when does school usually start for you in, over in Illinois? Oh, man. School would start typically right after Labor Day. Yeah, that was yeah. the same for for us. So, you know, so first week of September. But yeah. I think in L.A., right, it starts. Well, you would know. LA starts earlier. I feel bad for these Angelino children. They start in August and they go until June. It is the longest school year that I've ever been a part of because I, I, I work in schools out here. Yeah, we're in session August to June and there will never be a chance at a snow day. So don't even think about these bonus days off yeah. that are not happening. That is a bummer. So what was cozy for you about the first day of school, if there was anything? I always dreaded returning to school in terms of all the stuff that you anticipated, like looking in and creeping around, like all the kids playing on the playground Mm -hmm. and seeing people. I liked my summer vacation. I liked being able to play with my friends and play video games all day, play with my Jurassic Park toys or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, having to go back to school and be confined to a classroom wasn't top of my list. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. But I really loved the rituals of getting stuff for back to school, specifically Mm -hmm. because, and to this day, and I think a lot of our listeners can relate, I just love stationery and pencils and pens and, you know, things to color with and highlighters and post-it notes. And so getting to re-up on all of that stuff and have like fresh colored pencils and fresh crayons so I could do my art and really have a reason to make my parents buy all that new stuff for me every year was exciting. I especially loved folders. I was really like, I would really deliberate about the folders I would get. Now, most years we'd go budget and we would just get the basic paper folders that were primary colors. But I think I was like allowed one expensive folder per year, basically. That would be like a thing I liked, like a Star Wars folder or, you know, it'd be like an animal. Those are like the thicker stock. Mm-hmm. They almost had like a plasticky feel to them. I really always wanted a Lisa Frank folder. You never got it? And I never got it. I think I actually got one secondhand somehow. It was one of those things. It was just gender coded. So it kind of felt like it wasn't something mm. that it was for me. So even though I like, I, I, I always have liked that kind of those colors. I'll get you one. Please. I, w- I would love it. I, I'm more secure now. I, 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 w- I, could, I could handle the Lisa Frank folder in my adulthood (laughs) but the cream of the crop for me whether it was coming back honestly really middle school and onward was the trapper keeper now if you're younger and i think jillian might even be maybe too young for the trapper keeper experience did you have trapper keepers when you were in school okay matt we actually know we talked about this when we were i always think jillian is is a baby (laughs) yeah our cozy she's only i think two years younger than me yes we we had discussed this i was i'm born in 89 matt you're 87 yeah yeah, so he's acting like I'm a, um, I'm a youngin over here, but no, of course I remember the trapper keepers, and they actually trigger me. And as we're going through this episode, we were we're talking about our different feelings, and Matt really into the school supplies. I do have some positive school supplies, but it's funny you bring up the trapper keeper because I just have memories of losing it all the time, forgetting it at home, and it just it haunts me. I had the five star one. That brand. I also had five star. That was, I mean, yeah, that was. Five stars. You can't get any more stars than that. (laughs) I really loved all the pockets they would have, and it was all this built in. You'd have your notebook paper. You could put your folders in the three-ring binder. It just had everything. It kept you organized throughout the school year. And eventually, you get your trapper keeper that is like, they don't disintegrate year after year. So you keep it. And so it kind of becomes your companion. Although sometimes if it, you know, typically between like middle school and high school, I think I upgraded to like a pleather (laughs) one or something. Really sophisticated. Yeah. I remember balancing all my books on top of it. Like I'd be like walking into my classes sometimes with like, you know, four books stacked on top of my Trapper Keeper. And I'm surprised we weren't like buffer kids back then. <laughs> like the, <laughs> amount, the amount of textbooks we had to carry place to place. All these kids with their Chromebooks don't know how good they have it. But yeah, I, I really liked that 
those rituals and getting ready and the smell of freshly shaven number two pencils uh, was the reason for the season for me for back to school. I love that. For me, I, it's interesting what stuck out in my mind. So I really had to go back and think about what school supplies make me feel cozy. Because like I said, I mean, I struggle with organization, the physical organization. And so just trying to imagine what looked inside of my Trapper Keeper is something <laughs> like, it, would, it would horrify your senses probably. Snakes so, pop out whenever you opened it in class. Frogs. Or just there like there would be missing torn out paper. There's like, you I don't even know how to properly use it. I don't think I wish someone just pulled me inside and say, lady, like let's get you put together. But lady. <laughs> <laughs> or just my locker. It was just curled up papers. It, I didn't even know I didn't really use it. I also like to ha- I didn't use really use a backpack. It was more like a say a satchel but like a side bag so i always had to have a cool you know looking bag and so would that, that really kill your me. shoulder yes i want to say it did right? but I'm, i like yeah. the way i look so i'll be hunchback but it was the style at the time yes. to wear your backpack when we were when you're going to school in the early late 90s early 2000s it was the style to completely release the uh on your backpack the straps so that literally the your backpack was, it was not a backpack pack. It was a butt pack because it would be so low on your mm-hmm. back. And the idea of having your backpack properly strapped in so that you had full support, you looked lame or something. You weren't cool. So I would destroy my spine. I probably have long lasting spine damage from walking around with 10 textbooks in my back, especially as a ninth grader, where I didn't know where my locker was or how to get to class on time. So I'd have all my books in my bag, like a turtle with a shell that's like sagging and too big, just dragging that thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that's what inspired the rolly backpacks yeah. that some, some kids have. And I think that should have been a moment for folks to, you know, the higher ups to pause and say, what's going on here? Why do you... Why, why do we need so many books that kids and I have to have your know, rolly backpacks like we're in an airport or something, suitcases full of books? What's going on? Always ready for takeoff. Yeah, let's pause and reflect, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, anyway. I mean, those, were, those were always kind of like, I mean, it's, it's funny to think about the social standings and the relationship between the bag you had. It was so ridiculous. But like, I remember like the, yeah, for us, probably cream of the crop was no backpack but, and also no books. Just like, <laughs> nothing. You come to class with nothing. And then a second to that was you have a light backpack and it's like totally like, you know, so low. Your you know, your your jeans are sagging, your bag is sagging, like <laughs> everything's melting off of you. And then the real social pariahs at my school were the kids who had the really backpacks. Yes, so that, was that like... same, same for same here. <laughs> Those, you know, the, the more ergonomic and responsive you were to your body, the less cool you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was my one shoulder hanging down when I had my my side bag or whatever. And you still walk like that. You're kind of like to this day you kind of have like a one shoulder's up and one shoulder's well, down. Well, I I need to really work on my, my I'm posture. joking, listeners. That's not true. No, no, but it's true. I I do have my posture has not changed and I think it started with that bag, but you know, can't go back in time. So Julian has a really helpful link to a five-star binder trapper on eBay. And I can't believe these people are asking $35 for a ratty old trapper keeper. I guess they don't make them anymore. So <laughs> my trauma's on vintage. eBay. So I, I gave, I actually put links in for all of the supplies that I want to talk about because obviously we're, we're close in age. I don't think that you're eons older than me. Like you assume that I'm younger than you, but I wanted you to get that visual because I'm not sure if you would have been drawn to the same school supply. Well, the that- second thing I'm, I, I saw that and I was like, oh my goodness, it unlocked all sorts of memories. <laughs> tell, tell us about this first item though that you're highlighting. It's a space maker pencil box. So what's really cool about it, because essentially it's just a box, a plastic box where you keep your school supplies. But I loved how it had those primary colors and had a clear bottom. So I would always have the, the green or blue space maker. And there's really nothing special about it other than it has a colored top and a clear bottom. So you could see all of your uh, colored pencils and crayons and glue and what have you in the bottom. And that for some reason was really thrilling to me. I can't explain why. This, this was the age of like the clear plastic with a tint of color being like so in, you know, like mm-hmm. the Game Boy that you could see the inner 
workings of it with that clear case or like video game controllers would have always like a premium clear option. So yeah, definitely that kind of transparency was was cutting edge, honestly, at the time. The technology was amazing. Yeah. And for me, it was the epitome of what I loved about uh, school supplies. It didn't involve much organization or thought. You just dumped it right in and there you go. Off off to the races. (laughs) Uh, At least it's in a little plastic box. So there's that. Yes. And this uh, is on eBay as well. So all the 90s era school supplies are on eBay. So if you have some in your attic, your basement, uh, you could be making a killing. My next school supply is there are the milky pens. So they're the gel ink and they came in many different colors, whether it's metallic green, uh, you know, a bright purple, and they're really smooth and fun to, to write with. They were the torment of teachers though. I remember the milky pens got banned in one of my mm-hmm. classrooms because they obviously wanted us to write in uh, blue or black ink. And so turning in homework in a bright yellow or gold or some other wild color just wasn't flying. Yeah, but they wrote so smooth, and they had a little bit of shine to them. Yeah, the jelly rolls. They were pretty expensive at the time. I I didn't really buy them often, but I would get so excited when I would find one on the floor. (laughs) Because sometimes (laughs) people would use them. I know. (laughs) Scrounging around for jelly pens on the floor. I was really a number two pencil guy. I really, I hated writing in pen because I would just make all sorts of mistakes. So I needed that eraser. And mm. so I would really try to hold off on doing homework or anything in pen if I could. So I wasn't really on the gel pen t- train because I was on the Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil train. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, whenever I would use these, I'd be like, this is so fun. It's like, it, it writes so smooth. It'd be so shiny. Yeah, I for me unlocked something so positive in me because uh, pencils and pens are difficult for me to write with next to how I hold them, but may or may possibly, but whenever I write or take notes, I was in a court covering something the other day and I had to take notes with the pen and it was so frustrating because I just felt like each letter was so hard to write. Like I was trudging through mud with my hands. I don't know. Maybe it's just. Also listeners should know this was part of your work as a journalist (laughs) and writer. You were not in court for anything. (laughs) Oh yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm not on trial. She's not being thrown in the pokey. Don't worry. She is there as a reporter. So I, I, I probably should buy some gel pens because it makes my thoughts flow so much more easily. It's it's almost like it's free is freedom writing with freedom. It feels so good. So I think I'm gonna get back on the gel pe- uh, gel pen train. But uh, as an aside, Bustle when I was doing this research, they wrote a really interesting article. It's a deep dive into the history of the jelly roll pens, and it's a very well written and researched article. And it goes through time of how uh, they they started and how they became popular in America. It's really an interesting. Uh, read so if you have the chance the real reason jelly roll pens were invented will blow your 90s kid mind that's the title (laughs) and we'll add that to our show notes currently i mean the legacy of the gel pen my very favorite pen that i exclusively use my signature pen is the pilot g2 black gel pen that's a good one that's the only that's the only pen i use it's everywhere I, i have it in my work bag i have it at my desk can't leave home without it's it. It's a good one. Only way I write. Another memory for me that felt cozy of getting ready for school were, were the clothes. And I'm, I'm not a stylish guy. I didn't like shopping for clothes as a kid. And I don't a like it as an stylish adult. Stylish guy. Especially when I was little, there were certain trends that would veer cozy. And for me, the top cozy style trend when I was going to school and that back to school flex in elementary school was a starter jacket. In the 90s, as an elementary school student, you had to show up with your starter jacket <laughs> as a middle-class kid. And that was, you know, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, you know, you'd also want a Chicago team. And I think actually even elsewhere in the country, those were popular because the Bulls were really popular all over the country at that time. I had a Chicago Bulls starter jacket. I really loved those starter jackets because they're complete pullovers. There wasn't a zipper that you worried about also as an elementary school kid, like 
what a what a release from having to worry about that stuff. You know, shoelaces and zippers are a little tricky at that age. What I loved about them is uh, they were so big that you could just take the bottom of the starter jacket and like kind of just like, you know, sit on the ground and like put your knees up to your chest and then just like cover your whole body with the starter jacket, put the hood on and you basically could disappear like a turtle into your starter jacket. And I remember on some cold mornings in the fall and winter when I maybe would get to school too early or was waiting for my mom to pick me up, I would completely turtle up. I would (laughs) escape the elements and I think as a kid, there are those times when you just want to disappear from sight. <laughs> and those jackets really enabled that. We should bring them back. They're such a cozy jacket um, for the warmth that they provide and just the full coverage and, and security. They're like a security blanket jacket. I really love them. It's like almost like a gravity blanket. Yeah, for sure. And, but also just like something you could really disappear into. Yeah, and I think you hit on a really amazing and important point is that we want to feel safe when we're at school. And if you can hide in a cozy big jacket, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it's important to have. When you wrote this on the show notes, I did not know what a starter jacket is by name, but I could, once I Googled it, I could get the idea. And it's it's basically, it looks like what the football coaches wear on, <laughs> right? <laughs> Around they're on the on the sidelines. Imagine like a windbreaker, yeah. kind of, but like like heavier than a windbreaker, and it's just a full pullover. I agree. We should bring them back. I'm surprised that they haven't. It seems as if that would be a popular trend to revisit. I'm surprised too, especially as like we're in this oversized clothes mm-hmm. thing that's happening right now. It's I think it fits into that. Julian, did you have any cozy clothes from your back to school memories? I was big on overalls. I, I, I wasn't a tomboy per se. You, but... you were getting ready to to live in Silver Lake even back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it was just an easy outfit, and I loved to play after school with my best friend. And like I said, I lived right behind the elementary school, so right after school, we'd run to one another's houses, and we just play outside. And overalls was a great outfit to do that, and easy to assemble. Not like those rainbow suspenders my mom put me in one day and I didn't know how to undo them and I was stuck in the bathroom. It was the whole thing. So don't put your (laughs) young kid in suspenders. (laughs) They're they're like those cross suspenders. So um, Yeah, that does seem like, yeah, very confining. (laughs) I just waited in silence for someone to come in. (laughs) But anyway. Very on brand from an early age. Don't ask for help. Just... Suffer in silence. Yeah, no, that's definitely my MO. Overalls were great for me. I loved a good turtleneck. But when I got to high school, especially in ninth grade, I was really into Delia's. And I got my first pea coat there. And I thought I was just so cool. You know, <laughs> uh, my black pea coat, my books. I just thought, yeah, I looking back, what a fool. <laughs> but I, I love Delia's. And it's if you're not familiar, this is really popular store that i think so i don't know if it's i think they're having a resurgence i think they're having a renaissance i don't know if they're how, in how malls would you anymore describe the aesthetic kind of like bohemian like mix and match like patterns denim yeah yeah <laughs> i would i would say if you didn't want to go to abercrombie and fitch or if you didn't want to go to God, what's that other store um american eagle or something like that delia's was the the, the place that you would go and so that I was drawn to it because it seemed different when that was their whole, obviously their whole marketing strategy and the appeal to, you know, people, people like me who, uh, and, you know, the styles of Abercrombie and Vigilant stuff, it didn't really, I think, suit to, suit, suit to me. I mean, um, it just wasn't my style. And so Delia was like a nice outlet for that and it was I was always so thrilled to get the magazine in the mail that's when you would get the catalogs and that was so so thrilling and exciting as as well and and it was just fun to go to the mall and pick out your first day of school clothes and that was always such a big thrilling part for me I would pick it out weeks in advance and then lay it out the night before and it was a way for me to really express myself in middle school I think that was more of a difficult time because you're more pressured i think to look like everyone else opposed to even high school i'd say middle schools like we really want to look like everyone else and i just 
I didn't feel like I could express myself. But in high school, I started to really, I think, cultivate a style. And that was just a really fun outlet for me. And Delia's was, was, I guess, the beginning of that. Very trendy, like 90s and 2000s, like kids fashion. Yeah, I remember limited to, I think that was a little out of our price range. But that was very, very um, expensive kids clothes for for young girls. Honestly, at that time, I feel like my mom was just buying me Old Navy everything. And I was fine with it <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't, much didn't really participate I would, I would basically i would have like i would say no to things did not have a vision for myself so you were focused on the more important things you had your trapper organized i was just like oh what you know what am i gonna wear today <laughs> so you're, you, you had your priorities right like the rolly backpack kids they had their priorities right so did you well speaking of getting our priorities straight we are learning how to cut with our continuing <laughs> education at Sur La Table, which we learned how to say for the first time by visiting one of them. Yes. We were sitting there in the car wondering, is it Sur La Table? Is it that, that feels like you're just kind of giving up on the fanciness if you just I said tabla. Bust out the table at the end. Yeah, Sur La Table. It's Sur La Table, we learned. And they offer classes. So if you're if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a kitchen and cooking store. They have like lots of fancy knives and cutting boards and kitchen accessories dishware, all sorts of stuff for your kitchen. And they also offer these classes for cooking and the one we took advantage of, knife skills, how to chop up vegetables and really properly handle a knife the same way that a chef would. And so Jillian, tell us a little bit about your journey toward choosing this class and you know the, the, what was in store for us by taking it. Yeah, before I dive in, tell you the price of the class it's $59 and it was a two hour class two two and a half hours two and a half yeah to give you a hot tip sign up early for the knife skills class because it sells out really quickly I think they do one every month at least in our California area region yeah you have to sign up early to make the cut (laughs) nice so in honor of back to school season all things cozy plan to return to the classroom but instead of sharpening pencils, we were sharpening knives at a knife skills class. And the classroom was Sur La Table, located in the glistening hollowed halls of Newport Beach's <laughs> South Coast Plaza. Their inspiration behind our continued education, as longtime listeners know, which is Matt has touched on, I can't cut my food. And I have a strong <laughs> dislike of knives. So this was a perfect opportunity to push the educational limits. But did we graduate with honors or were we cut from the roster (laughs) and more importantly can i now cut my food yeah so um we we showed up there were about 10 other folks taking the class with us Mm -hmm. our teacher was chef portia who we learned was also from new york she was from queens i believe yeah and i touched i picked up on it towards the end when she said to put our parsley in a ball and I said, Chef, are you from the East Coast? <laughs> or a ball, from, rather, yeah. Yeah, are you, are you from the East Coast? And yes, she was from, from Queens. What was the coziest part is when we walked in, Matt, was when we found our station. Had our yeah, names they, mm-hmm. written out. It had our, uh, we had aprons. We had our little cutting boards. So that was really a sweet thing to find your names and a huge relief for me because there's always that part of me whenever I sign up for something that I went to the wrong location Right, and we Matt was kind kind enough to drive us an hour away to Costa Mesa. Apparently, I'm a speed demon. I wouldn't say you're a need for speed, according to Jillian. Well, yeah, not to get too deep, but your 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 husband is the best driver that I. So I just I could fall asleep if he was driving. You're a good driver, but the way that you kind of cut in. Last minute, I'm, cu- I'm cutting people off, and so it's, it was always a little jerky. But it was very nice of you to drive. Well, in in Los Angeles, you have to be assertive. To be safe, you must be assertive. You have to really be confident with your moves. I would, I would, I would argue that. But we got there safely. Yes, we did, and on time. Yeah, absolutely. It was like we knew our place right away. They they had little uh, cheese and crackers out there for us, some olives. Oh and yeah, that was water nice. available. And we started promptly. And they, so when you walked in too, they had like a row of vegetables that you could see on the back table that, you know, they would take us through cutting 
we started with celery and then we graduated to parsley, tomatoes, onions, carrots. Carrots were last. They were hard. They offer a lot of resistance. Peppers. We even cut up some oranges. So they had like a kind of a progression. And, and with that, different styles of cutting. So some of them we were doing a chop. We julienned the carrots. Um, and so we learned all about all of that. Before we even started with any of the fruits or vegetables, we first learned the proper technique for holding a knife. So Jillian, did you learn how to properly hold a knife and cut? And if so, how do you do it? Yes. So you grip the handle with the bottom three fingers. I'm, Matt and I are in video and I'm demonstrating on video. And then you take your pointer finger and your thumb and you pinch the blade, right? The yeah. So of the, the base of the blade, you have your, your thumb and your pointer. pointer finger on each side of that, right? So you have your grip with your other three fingers, right? And then those two fingers, like Jillian said, come together. So you have a full, like you're really on the blade itself. That sounds almost dangerous describing it, but when you're doing it, it feels very like you're in control, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're really on, you're really holding the blade. So you're much more aware of where that's going. I did not know how to properly hold a kitchen knife. No one there did. No. And, and, and it was all ages. It re, the other students there were, it ranged from like a middle school kid all the way up to like an older um, grandma. So people there have been cooking and they love cooking. I think if you go to Sur La Table, often like you're somebody who's like really interested in working in the kitchen mm-hmm. and upping your game in that, in that area. And they were like, oh my goodness, like this whole time I was just holding the handle. I didn't know that chefs really hold their knives this way. Yeah, but chef brought up a good cozy point, which is that you don't feel bad about that because you've been repeating habits for, yeah. for years. You're trying to unlearn years of holding it incorrectly and even something as small as cutting with the back of your knife and not the front tip of it which i would always do you want to chop with the back of it right Uh, yeah it takes some learning to do and chef was so patient and kind and everyone in the class we didn't talk to each other but everyone was you know supportive yeah like it was it was a good environment people were happy and and learning even before actually they even put the knives in our hands (laughs) they um really showed like had us actually just practice the technique with with nothing with like a pretend knife and so basically they taught us to to chop and then push forward with your knife and then you come back to your vegetable or whatever you're cutting and you chop again and go forward so you're always chopping away from yourself mm-hmm. and then and and from there that was the key to unlocking you know when you're watching like a cooking video or any kind of tv show about cooking where they're like you know imitating chefs um and they're like cutting so fast once you actually start doing it that way where you're really just working your shoulder like it's a it's a very fluid motion of chop 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 like you're just pushing forward and coming back you can see how fast you can go so that's what you're doing with your chopping hand jillian what did we learn about how to properly hold the thing that we're cutting so that we don't cut our little fingies Fingies. Yeah, this was the hardest part for me. And it was to make a claw. So your pinky and your thumb is supposed to be in the back, and your the other three fingers are in the front. And you don't want your knuckles down on the cutting board, but you want the tips of your fingers. Like I'm holding them up now. Yeah, they call it the claw. The claw. And so it, look, you don't it cut looks yourself. like a claw. Yeah. Yeah, but as Matt and I quickly learned. So that little pinky and that thumb want to pop wants to pop right back up. Yeah, that was the technique I had the most trouble with because I they I always wanted to rejoin, but at that point, once your your pinky and thumb are coming back forward, you're you know putting them at risk of getting chopped. Yeah, and that's so, what scared me the most. I I did have a moment I think in the first ten minutes because one of the things that I would that I didn't like about the class was that we were so sardine together. Yeah, that was yeah I agree. We were so close that. You know, I wish we had a little more elbow room just so Mm -hmm. that we could practice kind of like really holding our whole bodies in front of it. And I kind of felt like I was making myself small and that kind of impacted how I could hold my vegetable and stuff like that. Yeah. So it kind of made me a little bit more nervous. It was so tight and 
the room was bright and I, my kind of my anxiety about knives were coming. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to cut my finger. I'm not holding the knife right. I'm not doing it right. And I, I did spiral for a little bit, but then <laughs> <laughs> I came back and I was watching Matt. And I think that's a great thing. And Matt also is very patient and sweet. Uh, cause I would, I would say, Oh, how do you do it? Cause I, chef, you know, has 10 plus students, I think, but 13, I don't recall the exact number, but I think there are like 12 of us. Yeah. Yeah. So she had other people to attend to, or, you know, right, right, right. Really so. And so I, Matt would help me. And so I just was modeling what Matt did and was watching Matt. And that kind of made me calm again and got back. So I think I get anxious when I feel as if I'm being left behind or I'm not getting something. And then, Oh, it's all gone to, all gone to the wash. But, um, uh, yeah, I regained that confidence, and Chef was very sweet. Uh, she would cause we had our name tags on, and she would say, "Oh, Julie, you know you're getting it." And and she would model it, and then yes. remodel it too if she felt like. And she would come and check everybody, and if she saw that you were using the incorrect technique or some, doing mm-hmm. something dangerous, she would stop you and kind of show you again. Or some in some cases, if you allowed her to, like hold your arm and kind of. And she did that with yeah. You had that kind of ghost moment with her. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I. I I uh, felt someone looking at me and it, it was chef and she was just staring <laughs> in, I wouldn't say in uh disdain or she was judging me, but more just like concern. an awe. Yeah. Concern or awe of just how <laughs> I was, like, what, how I was messing it up. And so um, she came over and helped. But by the end, I definitely got the motions. Oh, yes. Yeah. I same think, for think, you. I mean, how, I mean, I would say at the end, Jillian can cut. I, I would say that's oh, it's a you. it's a big day. Yeah, it was. How do it you was feel? Do you day. feel like have you been in the kitchen cutting up a storm now? Do you feel more confident? Yeah, I have been trying it out because I have a lot of vegetables to cut throughout the week. But the only thing that I am still kind of struggling with is it, it hurts because you're not used to holding a knife that way. Mm-hmm. So if you're, it hurts my hand. I have a little red mark at the end, but I now have an understanding that I didn't have before. I had no basis for it. I mm-hmm. just was not really cutting. I would try and sneak my way around cutting. Um, it definitely haunted me. And I actually thought at the beginning of the class we were going to share why we were taking the knife class. I thought maybe other people had trauma. But no, it's just a grandma who wanted to learn how to cut her peppers. Or yeah. <laughs> not, not so deep. <laughs> and I told Matt on the way that I actually thought we were learning how to cut our food. Um, I didn't really think it was a class for a kitchen I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think it was just to learn how to cut our food, but I thought that was a part of it. But yeah, that's um, more like a, I was telling Julian, I think it's like more of like a finishing school type of thing, like how to use your knife and yeah. fork if that's what you wanted. But this was more like, because, you know, if you're going to culinary school, this is what they start with. They start with knife skills. And she, the chef was telling us that for her, it was the first two weeks were only knife skills. Like that's all mm-hmm. they worked on. She showed us a really cool way, and I need to I need to master it still, but of cutting an onion. Yes. So that like so if you if you take off the top two layers and you cut it in half so that each half still has that root bottom attached to it, so it's held together, those layers. And then you cut it into thirds, but not all the way through, just like a little bit, like 90% of the way back towards the root. And then you make incisions on the top, cutting down. And then if, so that there's like three in the top. And then if you just start chopping from the end from there, you've already perfectly cubed your onions. And so they just kind of just like drop in from there. It's hard to describe via audio, but if you saw it, you would, it would make sense. But little, little t- tips uh, of the trade that like that, that she showed us how to really efficiently cut certain vegetables. That was really cool. Yeah. The parsley stuck out to me, which yeah, you, you, you hold it taut. Off of. Yeah, you shave it off and then you put it into a ball and you and you chop. And she taught us the right way um, to dice. So you're only lifting the back of your knife. Yes. That, that was cool. She also taught us about garlic, that if you don't want garlic to stick to your knife, you run it under hot water before. So it, it wasn't just learning how to cut, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. Matt. It was, it's just so many different tips. And by the end, we had a container full of our chopped vegetables that we got to take home, which is really nice. Yeah. It, it was awesome. I, I, I love this class. I would highly recommend it mm-hmm. to anybody, um, especially if you can take it, take it with Chef Portia in Newport Beach. <laughs> For two hours of my time, I learned a life skill mm-hmm. that I should have learned a long time ago and feel like I came out really knowing something new that I 
and I'm glad I took that chance or to make that effort to learn something new. So it was very cozy. I, I feel more confident in the kitchen, mm -hmm. ready to chop up some vegetables. And it was a fun friend activity too, because you don't think yeah. about taking a class together with your friend or at least something like a cooking class. And it was really enjoyable. And like you said, it was empowering and I, I do feel more comfortable with a knife and I, it feels good to know that I know the proper way to do it. And it's a skill that I wouldn't have otherwise done if we were doing, doing the show. And thank you again for driving us over to Sur La Taube in, <laughs> in Newport beach. Well, congratulations, Jillian. It's a new era. You know, yeah. whenever we do our cooking episodes, Jillian's going to say I can cut. Yes, I can cut. And we went to lunch afterward and I cut my burger. Straight That's half. right. <laughs> and she did it perfectly. Oh, thanks, Matt. Thanks for going back to school with us. Um, if you end up taking any classes yourself, share those in our All Things Cozy Facebook group or via our Instagram. Um, we'd love to hear about all those new things that you're learning or any fond memories you have of your time spent at school, things that made you feel cozy. It's time to wind down our episode with some soothing sounds. Jillian, what sound is soothing you this week? My pick is Why Bonnie's song 90 in November from the album of the same name, and it's going to come out on August 19th. The reason I chose it is because it's a nice mix of nostalgia and, and, and saying goodbye to something. And so we're leaving the summer, and it's always a bittersweet feeling because you have new exciting things ahead but you don't want to leave the summer behind. And as the lead singer Blair Howerton told Fader, I wanted to capture the bittersweet feeling of saying goodbye to the landscape that shaped you while still dealing with the anxiety of what lies ahead. Nostalgia always hits with a flash of disjointed memories, like speeding down the highway or sweating in the Texas heat. And for context, she grew up in Texas and she moved to Brooklyn a few years ago. And when they recorded the album, they went back to... To Texas. And so when I think about the end of summer, I think about the bittersweet nostalgia of that transition period, which is, is cozy. I, I find that very cozy. So let's take a listen to 90 in November. It's an extremely cozy song. I really love in the music video how they're on a farm feeding cows. It's really cute. Yeah, and Fader pointed out that the music video really nails that summery nostalgia-tinged essence. So we're in August now. The episode is going to come out in September. But if you want to look back on summer, I think this is the song to do it. What's in your ears, Matt? Honestly, what's in my ears? You don't want to know what's in my ears. Uh... <laughs> Get a Q-tip. So my soothing sound, I already shared this with the All Things Cozy Facebook group, but I believe it still needs to be added to the record as an official soothing sound. And that is Cozy by Beyonce. This is a track off of her new album, Renaissance. I'm sure that so many of you have already heard the song. It's a huge album. Like everyone was talking about it when it dropped in August. But I, I wanted to point it out because, you know, when you have Beyonce saying the word cozy about a million times, even more than Julian and I say cozy in a single episode, or at least rivaling it, it bears mentioning. Yes. So let's take a listen to Cozy by Beyonce. So I typically don't recommend songs with explicit lyrics. We've done that a couple of times just because, you know, I know folks listen to this show with their kids in the car <laughs> or with children. And I want to make sure we're clean and available for everybody. So this song is explicit. If you're like, I'm going to turn that song on right now on, on what, you know, whatever app I listen to music with right after the show is over, just be aware that it's explicit lyrics. I, I just want to put that warning out there in case you know, so no one's shocked if they put that on. They're like, I had my my kids in the car with me. Don't complain to me. But 
I, I find it to be a very cozy song. I like that it's a song about self-empowerment. It's a self-love anthem, really, mm-hmm. celebrating the skin that you're in. And it I like it also weaves in, interestingly. I mean, she dedicated the album to the LGBTQ plus community. There's a kind of a rainbow flag reference in there. There's also like people have been interpreting like, oh, is she talking about Solange and the issue, like the incident in the oh, elevators yeah. that are referenced to that in the song. So there's some some layers there to unpack. Not like very deep layers, but it's a lot of fun, I think. It's it's dancey and it's cozy. Yeah, every time she says cozy, it makes me smile. <laughs> I just imagine a little All Things Cozy music video. Cozy. cozy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good pick. And clearly Beyonce was influenced by us, so... That, that that much is clear. Again, I just want that for the record, you know, when mm-hmm. the All Things Cozy Awards come around that we have to remember that Beyonce did a song called Cozy. Yes. Speaking of coziness, we're cozying up to a brand new candle this week. Jillian, tell the folks what we're sniffing this week. Well, it's really exciting. It's our first candle of the season, and we're really trying to be mindful of what candles we we choose to pair well with our topics. And so I searched far and wide for a pencil scented candle and you'd be surprised there really aren't a lot of options out there and this came from stinky candle companies <laughs> uh, yeah so stinky was the same candle company that we used for our pickle candle oh, when yes. we did our fast food oh, episode I remember they have a lot of they have a lot of offbeat scents including this number two pencil scent yeah so i i completely forgot that we had um, knocked on Stinky's door before. So <laughs> we have a number two candle. And the description is, this candle celebrates the teacher, the student, the draftsman, the artist, and the designer. Light this candle to relive your glory days at school. Hmm. <laughs> I don't talk about glory days, but reignite your passion <laughs> for taking notes, writing essays, and doodling on your desk. Also great for use during practice exams to get you in the mood. Light one of these while you study for the ACT, SAT, GMAT, <laughs> and LSAT is guaranteed to increase your test score, maybe. So uh, I have to put my nose close to it. Um, Matt, now that we're on video, you can see me. Yeah, she's putting the flame dangerously close to her face. I'll have to say, when I when the candle wasn't lit, it smelled distinctly of a pencil. When it's lit, not so much. Uh... Hmm. It, it smells more like the, the pencil shavings opposed to that mm-hmm. when you, you know, you, it's not grind a pencil. What do you do? Oh, sharpen. Yeah. Sharpen it. When you mm-hmm. sharpen a pencil <laughs> and you, and you sniff the tip, that's not what the candle smells like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it smells like discarded pencil shavings with an oddly a hint of chocolate. Oh, Okay. Maybe some of the other candle wax got mixed in there somehow. Chocolatey. Maybe you were eating some cake before you were writing your homework. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good good in theory. Good when it's not lit. It's fine. But I'm not really getting a good whiff of it. So I'm Yeah, gonna... so it has that it has that scent when it's not lit, but like once you're you know, it doesn't really necessarily have the throw and the presence in the room to create that. Yeah. No. So a half a wick for me, just because it's creative okay. and the only one out there, so. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked, too. If To me, that does seem like an obvious, really cozy scent. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's woody. It's like, I don't know. I'm surprised there aren't more, like... I know there are a lot of parchment-scented candles, like kind of that papery. I think there needs to be, needs to be more people entering the, the realm of the pencil <laughs> scent. Yeah, or just composition notebooks or just anything school-related. Yeah. It's really hard to find those scents. Yeah, get that paper and glue scent going. I'm I'm there for it. Well, thank you, Jillian, for for sharing that candle with us. Uh, again, that was Stinky Candle Company's number two pencil scent. Before we go, we do have some shout outs. Thank you to everybody who's leaving us five star reviews on our All Things Cozy podcast page, specifically on Apple Podcasts. We love to see it. It really keeps us going. In addition to the to our patrons, a big thank you to Mr. Stevers who wrote. Matt and Jillian have created a truly delightful and charming podcast filled with fun, laughs, inspiration, and sometimes all the feels. Their friendship with each other comes through in leaps and bounds and makes for a thoroughly enjoyable listen. I look forward to each episode, and it's a total bonus if Matt gets the giggles. (laughs) 
I would so buy a ringtone of that if it were available. Well, thank you, Mr. Stevers. That's that's really high sweet. praise. I always feel bad that I laugh so much on the show. I feel like it gets annoying. So I'm glad someone's enjoying it. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. It's, it's it's such a genuine laugh, and it's nice to make you laugh. So I can I can see what he'd want to buy that ringtone. Uh, thank you, XO Indigo. They wrote, this is such a great podcast. Thank you for taking the time to create it. It's so comforting to hear people talking about comfort. Keep up the great work. Thank you, XO Indigo. Thank you. And also thank you to Midnight Ramen, who wrote, great podcast to calm the soul. That's really sweet. Very sweet. Thank you all for writing reviews. We encourage you, if you are enjoying the show and haven't yet, go hop on our Apple podcast page and leave us a a, a review and uh we we love to see it um five stars is great <laughs> but no pressure but, you know, rate with no pressure right what's in your heart and also be sure to check us out on social media we're back we're here for our new season we're so excited join the cozy community on facebook um all things cozy podcast that's our page we also have our group on facebook and then at all things cozy podcast on instagram and Check out our brand new Patreon page and see if there's a level there that feels right to you and something that, you know, is within your budget, you know, something that you feel comfortable contributing. Um, Again, super excited to start our All Things Cozy book club uh, for those who contribute at the $5 level and get that bonus episode. Um, And a reminder for those of you who are joining at that level, we are reading tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Get on it, check out that book, um, and then join us for that bonus episode where we will be discussing it. Can't wait. We'll be back in your ears with a brand new cozy topic. We'll be discussing some fall budget (laughs) decoration (laughs) tips. So looking forward to that. See you in a couple more weeks on Sunday. Until next time, stay stay cozy. cozy.